The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. I recall getting the logistics together um, with one of my mentors, coaches, and she reminded me that most podcasts do not make it past episode 10. So I am so grateful that I made it to episode 15. It's been quite a journey already. But I really want to take the time to thank you all for sticking with me uh, through this uh, process of putting this uh, podcast together, uh, keeping up with the episodes, providing feedback, sending me direct messages, emails, and those who know me personally, the text messages. I really, really appreciate you all and wanted to thank you so much for continuing on with this journey uh, with me. So today, it's just me. Um, Don't turn it off now. Don't don't, uh, escape the the podcast app now. It's just me today. I don't have my husband on this episode, Um, but I know you've definitely enjoyed having him on and listening to him. He's very um, entertaining, to say the least, but he'll be back on soon. So today is just me and... um, Really, today, we're just going to really talk about me accepting my purpose, accepting um, the call on my life, which was not an easy point to get to. Um, But I want to discuss it because I know there are many individuals out there who may struggle with this and may struggle with, you know, walking in their purpose. Uh, My phrase is walking in your purpose on purpose. Um, so, you know, struggling with that and, um, really taking that leap of faith because that's what it is. It's it's just taking a leap of faith and not knowing what is ahead. Um, and that could be really, really scary. So for me personally, I am a very behind the scenes person. I'm pretty introverted, but I have to be an extrovert due to, my line of work, um, due to being in ministry, I can't really stay in my little bubble. So I'm a very uh, introverted person. So being in the forefront was definitely uh, never part of my plan. Um, I never um, envisioned myself really being in the forefront of ministry. I always knew that I would be involved in some capacity, But to say that I would be kind of in the forefront of things, that was not part of um, my personal plan or goal, to be honest. Um, I was raised as a pastor's kid. I think I've said that in previous episodes. Um, I come from a line of a family full of um, pastors, spiritual leaders, deacons, elders, and what have you. And I think the automatic assumption by other people is that children raised in that type of environment will automatically, you know, walk in ministry. And that's, if you look at churches 
you know, across the nation or even the church that you may attend, that's not always the case. Um, and I know that it's kind of the assumption that that's what, you know, would happen, but that's not always the case. Um, I'm happy to say that my siblings and I are all walking in some sort of ministry, um, at this juncture of our lives. Uh, but there, this was never like a pressure from my parents to get involved or to walk into ministry. They just, you know, like the scripture says, you know, train up a child. So they, you know, took us to different conferences. They really made the investment, um, in our spiritual lives to make sure that we were spiritually fed at home. And it was not just a Sunday morning thing. And so, when they would go to conferences, we would kind of, my siblings and I, we, we would tag along. Um, so we kind of grew up in that environment um, and they really fostered a and nurtured us to be, um, you know, spiritual beings and, and have that connection to, to Christ. So um, I applaud them for that. And that is something definitely I um, take heed to because I know that it's important to have that type of foundation. So I grew up in, in that sort of environment. And like I said, my family, you know, comes from a long line of uh, ministry, you know, great um, grandparents, great grandparents, um, all pastors. But, you know, for myself personally, I never envisioned my life to be a pastor. And um, a lot of that really stems from, um, things that I've experienced in my, especially my adolescent years, that really just kind of turned me off to the idea. Um, people talk about church hurt from the perspective of the members, but never really the from the perspective of the pastor, or the pastor's wife, or the pastor's kid. And so um, because of, you know, some things that I experienced I and saw firsthand, I really didn't want to be involved in that capacity. Um, again, I, I'm very much a behind the scenes type person. And so I really didn't see myself um, leading, but maybe assisting with, you know, Sunday school or, you know, um, youth ministry and that sort of thing. So um, again, you know, it was, there was a lot of things that I was dealing with. And one thing you have to understand is that the enemy doesn't want you to walk in your purpose and walk in your calling. And um, and even people may not want to see you do it, but it's really the Lord's doing. Um, if you look at the sense of responsibility that comes with whatever, you know, you're undertaking to walk into your purpose, um, there's a lot of responsibility. It requires a lot of discipline. It'll, it requires a lot of energy. And so um, I wanted to take the time to share where I personally struggled with accepting my call and my purpose in hopes that um, this will resonate with you and also um, push you to walk into your purpose and your calling. And sometimes when we talk about purpose and calling, people, like, I feel like we always think about, oh, standing behind a pulpit and preaching. And even though that may be one capacity that I have um, in my ministry, I think it's so much bigger than that. And so for you, it may just be being that sense of encouragement at your workplace, for your family, for your friends, um, whatever your gifting is, um, I want to encourage you to do it. 
Uh, so I dealt with um, many things that were internal and external. Um, the first part of it with the internal piece is I dealt with the fact that I didn't feel that I was uh, worthy enough to walk in that type of capacity. And I always say, if you were to tell me like years ago or from my childhood that I would be holding a microphone and preaching or I'd be walking in ministry, I would literally probably laugh in your face because it, till this day, it's something that I still struggle with because it's not something that I, I envisioned for my life. And so, um, it was definitely prophesied over my life that I would be a minister and I would marry someone who would be in some sort of capacity in ministry as well. And I remember I went through a season where it was like confirmation after confirmation, like random people, you know, telling me, you know, you're called, you're called to do this, you're called to do that, X, Y, and Z. And I would literally, literally like cry my eyes out because it's not the life that I chose, you know? So I dealt with not feeling worthy enough. I dealt with not feeling qualified. Um, and I'm always reminded um, by this quote, which says, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'll say that again. God doesn't call the qualified. <laughs> he qualifies the called. So it is the one who calls you that is important, not the one who is called. And so I had to come to a place where I realized that this wasn't about me. It was so much greater than who I am. And it was about God at the end of the day. And so I had to really um, chase out those feelings of not feeling worthy enough um, and not feeling qualified enough and realizing, hey, God equips his people. You know, he gives you the tools that are necessary to be successful. And sometimes we look at success as, oh, you know, I have this many years of experience. I went to this school. But even our life experiences help us with our purpose and help us with our calling because we understand the places of hurt. We understand the places of need. And so we're there um, to fill in that gap and say, hey, I'm going to stand with you because I've been where you are. And so um, I had to come to a place where I realized I was in a planting and preparation season and God was preparing me and equipping me for where I would need to be. Um, so I wanted to share um, two posts that I sometimes see floating around on social media. And it really shows that even the people in the Bible um, struggled with their calling or, or may have struggled with not feeling uh, qualified. And I wanted to share these two posts with you. The first one says, do you seriously think God can't use you? And it go on, goes on to say, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. So horrible. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering prob problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had 
long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. I think we've all been guilty of that. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. So that's the first um, post. And so if you look at all of the individuals that were mentioned on this post, each person had an issue. And so I had to come to a place where I realized, hey, we all have issues. We all have flaws. We all have things that we need to work on. No one in this earth, on this earth is perfect. And so even with our flaws, even with um, the areas that we may be lacking, God can still use us. All right. So that was the first post. The second one is um, similar. Um, and some of uh, the individuals uh, are, re- are named, but I wanted to read this because there's some additional uh, individuals uh, mentioned. And it says that Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a strong temperament. David was an adulterer. Noah got drunk. Jonah fled from God. Paul was a murderer. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was anxious. Thomas doubted. Sarah was impatient. Moses had a a stammer. Zacchaeus was small. Abraham was old. Lazarus was dead. Now, what's your excuse? Can God use you or not? And so I wanted to share those two posts to show you that no matter what you may feel as, you know, an issue, know that God um, can use you. And it's not only, um, qual- you know, characteristics that we may have and flaws. Like I know for me um, personally, every time I minister, I have to really work on my um, lack of confidence and, and understanding that I need to walk in boldness. And a lot of that stems from um, body image issues. I think I shared in the podcast um, dealing with PCOS and my issues with my hormones. Um, as I stated, I haven't been diagnosed with PCOS, but I do have some challenges with my hormones. And so that has caused me to gain a significant amount of weight um, in the past year or, or so. And so um, it, it was becoming really difficult for me to like stand and um, preach and stand and um, minister and, and have speaking engagements because I was dealing with a lot of uh, self-confidence issues and, you know, comparing of, you know, what I used to look like and what I look like now. And I had to, you know, really work on that and say, okay, no matter what I look like or feel like God can still use me, you know, and I'm going to be a stumbling block or roadblock from what God wants to do with me, um, and using me as a vessel, um, if I'm just concentrating on, you know, the outside appearance. And I think we really get caught up in that, um, 
and, and look at the outward appearance and God is really focused on the inward. So um, I know plenty of beautiful people and their character and their ways and mannerisms are a turnoff, you know? So it's not, you know, God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. And so um, make sure that your heart is right and your heart is in the right place and that your intentions are good and um, he will definitely elevate you. So, you know, I, I lacked confidence um, and boldness and that, you know, dealing with that issue, like I said, it's still something that I deal with from time to time um, and it's still ongoing, but it, you have to just come to a place where you realize, hey, this is bigger than who I am. Um, and I'm still kind of shy and introverted, but I have, you know, really tried my best to work on building relationships and establishing rapport with individuals um, and making sure that uh, I extend, you know, that hand um, and, and allow people to um, become close to me uh, because I can kind of sometimes put my barriers up and, um, you know, it, it's good to be careful, but it's it's not good to just kind of push people away. The other internal issue that I had was I was a huge crybaby um, when I was younger and even up until like my early 20s, I want to say. Um, my husband really wished that I would go back to being that sensitive. But, you know, life changes people. <laughs> That's all I can say. Life really um, can change you. And I am no longer uh, a huge crybaby. I do... I am very sensitive um, in the sense that I'm sensitive to what other people are going through. Um, I'm sensitive to, you know, the journey that I'm in right now in walking in fertility. And so um, I used to go to God and be like, how are you going to use me when I'm a huge crybaby? Like, how am I going to sit next to somebody who's crying and cry with them? Like, how is that going to help them? And so, you know, I used to always have these back and forth, you know, conversations with God because I did not want to accept the call, you know? And so I would make up excuses like, I'm a huge crybaby, so you can't use me. You know, I'm going to be crying with them alongside with them and that's not going to be helpful. And um, God showed me that he was going to use me even in that sense of, you know, if an individual's crying and I'm crying, like, it's okay, you know? And over um, time, um, I still kind of do that. If I see someone crying, like, I will most likely start tearing up or crying as well. Um, but I had to really be okay with that and being okay with being sensitive. Um, and like I said, you know, life experiences um, shape you and change you. And so although I'm not as, um, you know, I don't cry at a drop of a hat anymore, um, I am able to defend myself and that sort of thing. So, uh, I, those are, you know, qualities and characteristics I didn't have really, but because of life experiences, I've kind of learned that along the way. And so I want to put a pin there and let you know that your life experiences, whether positive or negative, they can shape who you are. And so really take everything that you have gone through and turn it to be something positive, even if it came out of something negative. 
I've known um, individuals who have spoken about some, you know, really hard times, you know, being homeless, um, recovering from a divorce, recovering from having breast cancer and those sort of things. And you hear their stories and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, but their stories are so inspirational and it helps someone else who may be going through a similar situation or may not, but that story or that experience really resonates with them. And so um, just know that whatever you go through, you know, use it for the positive and um, that can definitely be part of your purpose. So, you know, those were really the um, internal things. Oh, one other thing that um, was something that I did internally was that I compared my gift and ministry to others. And I think we've talked about comparison um, on this podcast before, but um, we all kind of fall into this trap. But I compared my my gift um, to others in the sense that, what example can I give? One way would be like my style of um, preaching. My style of preaching is more of a teaching. Um, and I like to kind of peel back the layers. Uh, one of my sisters in Christ, she told me, um, her father, who's also a pastor said, you know, I have a unique way, a unique gift in looking at the word and, um, dissecting the word. And really that is truly from God. Um, because there's some things that are revealed to me. I'm like, Whoa, like I never looked at it this way. I never thought of it that way. And so, um, that is definitely a, um, gift from God. And so, you know, everyone has their own uniqueness, their own style. If you even think about, you know, someone who may have a boutique, you know, the way that they style their clothes or the way that they present the clothes in their store or the style or what have you is different, you know, and that's what makes them unique. Now you may have a huge market of boutiques, but that person stands out because of, the way that they do it, you know? And so I had to be okay with the way that God um, really, you know, gives me the capacity to speak, you know? Um, I may not be the loudest, I may not be the prettiest, I may not be what, you know, whatever, but I'm here to do what I'm called to do, you know? And so um, that was like a big you know, trap, um, that I had to kind of get myself out of is comparing my gift or comparing, um, what I would view as, um, impact, you know, sometimes you think, okay, like, are people, um, receiving this? Like, am I just talking like right now I'm talking in this podcast and I know often people say, you know, when you have somebody on, you're totally different, but it's because of that energy, you know, that I'm getting from the other individual. So, it's it's difficult sometimes to feel like okay are, are is someone receiving what you're saying and you just start to start to compare you know how you are versus how someone else is and so um if that is an issue for you i really want to encourage you to do it the way that you feel comfortable because there's no one like you you are unique you are you and so um you can only do it the way that you do it and so um, you know, don't fall into that trap of, um, 
you know, comparing your life or comparing your gift to comparing your, your call to someone else. Um, I want to talk about kind of the phase I went through in accepting the call. Um, if you listen to, I don't remember which episode this was, but it's the episode where I talked about um, taking the cruise and and that experience with the bird flying um, near me and um, God bringing to life the scripture found in Matthew chapter six, I believe. So, um, so around that time, um, like I said, it was just a really difficult time like um besides this season that I'm in now of being in my infertility journey I think that is the probably that goes probably in the top three uh seasons in my life where I cry the most um if I would probably rank them it'd probably uh the infertility journey I think is because it's the longest so far I think I've cried the most in this season um, and then probably the season where my dad was going through his um, medical hardships and having open heart surgery, that was a very difficult time. And then that season where I wanted to be married and um, that wasn't happening and I just felt like everything was just going wrong. I was uh, about to lose my job. Um, I was dealing with this, you know, back and forth with God a little bit of, not accepting my call. So that period of my life was just, it was very difficult. Um, and so, as I said earlier, you know, I was receiving confirmation after confirmation about accepting the call. Um, but it was, I want to say this final prophecy that um, really pushed me into accepting the call. So um, just to give you some context, around that season, I had already started my master's program. I think at that point, I was probably a year in um, into the ma- my, my master's program. But because I was receiving so much confirmation about accepting the call, I did take up the application that is um, given within my denomination to start the ministerial intake program or ministerial internship program. Um, so I took the application in mind that, okay, I will fill this out. You know, once I'm done with my master's, once I'm kind of settled, that is kind of what I had in mind. And I remember this application because it was like mint green, like mint green is my favorite color, but it was, I don't want to say it was mint green. It was like a, it was like a neon green pretty much. And, um, I put it on my dresser at that time I was living at my parents' house. I put it on my dresser. I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I'll get to it. Um, and I just had so much going on. So I was like, you know, I'll get to it once I'm done with my master's program. I'll, you know, do it. I started to, um, have some physical symptoms manifest and it included like heart palpitations I was having chest pain. I wasn't doing anything different at that time. I was, you know, at that time I was at my lowest weight. I was working out. I was eating right. And so I had no idea why these symptoms were manifesting. And you know, when you get like a thought in your head, like a little idea, like, 
okay, is this happening because of this? Um, because my father had shared with me, he had the same instance um, when he was running away from accepting the call to the point where he was in his early 30s and found himself in the hospital because um, they were trying to figure out what was going on with his heart at that time. They found nothing wrong with him. And he realized, okay, this is happening because um, I haven't accepted the call. So I had this little idea like, oh my God, like, don't tell me like what happened to my dad is happening to me. Like nobody has time for this. So I, you know, I did my due diligence. I went to the doctors. I got checked. I did EKGs. I did MRIs, you name it. Like they were running all sorts of tests because, you know, at the time I think I was like 26 um and for me to have all these symptoms it was kind of like what you know she's so young like what's going on let's figure it out so you know I was doing all these tests and then everything came back fine and word for the wise I want to put a, a put a pin in there now as well because I'm going through this in parallel right now with my infertility journey if all of your test results come back fine and you still have symptoms that are manifesting, it is time for you to pray and fast because there is a likelihood that there is something that God wants to reveal to you in that season and you need to be open about it. And so that is the journey that God took me on. Although I felt that I had time to do um, the ministerial uh, program, um, like I said, in my mind, I was like, okay, after I get my master's, you know, degree, I'll wait like a couple months just to kind of rest and relax. And then I'll go into, um, the ministry program. God saw otherwise and said otherwise. So the symptoms kept pushing, um, pushing through like chest pains, um, you know, weird palpitations. I was getting dizzy and so um, I remember uh, in that it was during the summer, um, there was a minister who came and he prophesied over my life that, you know, I needed to accept a call that I, you know, was going to be walking in ministry and I needed to be walking in ministry before I got married. Um, and, you know, getting married was right around the corner. And, you know, the person that I was going to marry was going to walk alongside with me and all these things. And I was just like, crying and I remember he asked this question um and this goes to an earlier point he asked the question he said do you want to be a pastor or do you want to marry a pastor and I answered very matter-of-factly and I said neither I didn't want to be a minister and I definitely did not want to be a pastor's wife because like, I've seen it. You know what I mean? I know what it looks like. People make it look glamorous. It's not glamorous. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'll sit here in my little corner. Like, I want neither. And, um, you know, he went into, you know, death of, of what was going to happen. And and it really started with me accepting my call. And so when I went to the doctors and I realized everything was fine, I recalled all of the prophecy, all of the confirmation, um, all the things that were said and I just went into prayer and fasting and I was just like, okay, God, like this is what, these are the symptoms I'm feeling and the symptoms are real. Like it's not something that's in my head. The symptoms are real. So the symptoms are real and the doctors are saying there's nothing wrong with me. So I need you to like 
help me understand what is going on. And I recall, you know, being in my bed and praying and reading scriptures and like trying to, you know, see like, what is God going to reveal to me? And I remember I was praying and I had my eyes closed and I heard a voice that is like, to this day, I remember it. It was clear. And it said, you are in disobedience. And in my head, I'm like, how am I in disobedience? Like how? Houseway. Because I was teaching Sunday school. I was working with the youth. I was involved in different organizations. I was living my life right. I was living at my parents' house. Like I was making sure like I was doing everything in line. And the voice said, you are in disobedience. And I opened my eyes and I'm like, what in the world? And the first thing I saw was that neon application. And I was just like, oh my goodness. So we need to understand that delayed obedience is still disobedience. I'll say that again. Delayed obedience is still disobedience because you're not doing it in the time frame that he asked. And so for me, I'm like, I'm walking on obedience, but I wasn't because I wasn't doing what he had asked me to do in the time frame that he wanted. And so um, I remember that night clearly because I took the application, sat on my bed, and literally was weeping while I was filling out the application, like bawling, crying my eyes out. And um, like I said, I was living at my parents' house and my sister, she like comes knocking on the door. She's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm filling out this application and I don't want to do this. And I was just like crying, you know, talking, snot coming, you know, down my nose. It's just horrible. And I was just like, I don't want to do this and all this stuff. And she's like, she looks at me, she's like, Donnie, which is my nickname, Donnie, if God called you to it, he'll bring you through it. Everything's going to work out. You'll see. Like, she was encouraging me. And she's like, watch, fill out the application. You'll see how everything falls into place. Just do it. It's not you that's, you know, pushing yourself to do it. God is pushing you to do it. Just do it. Just do it. So I fill out the application. And so the ministerial um, internship program started in September. My last semester of uh, my master's program started in August. So through August of one year, going to May the following year, I was in two different programs. And so honestly, to be honest, it is by the grace of God that I made it through that season. Like I look back on that, I'm like, what? How did I do it? Um, even the ministerial intake program, there's an exam at the end. Um, you know, I was like, I was kind of testing God even at the end. I'm like, okay, bro, let's see. Let's see how this goes. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to study, but I'm not going to study, study, you know? And if you really want me to do, to do this, I'm going to pass this test because you have to take a, take a test and pass it. I think I passed the test with like, four points over what was needed. I barely made it to show you that, you know, God was like, oh, I'm going to prove to you this is what you need to be doing. Like, you can try to sabotage this, but it's going to happen. And so um, 
that month of June was just, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. In that same month of June of that year, um, I'm also born in June, so June 13th. On June 13th is the date that I graduated with my ministerial license to show you how amazing God is, you know, to show me like, you're going to celebrate on this day and this is something to celebrate. And so on my birthday, I graduated with my ministerial um, license. And then that following week, I graduated with my master's degree. And so um, that for me was just another life experience um, that I went through that I know like, hey, I can help somebody through this process of accepting your call and how difficult it is because of the weight you know, that it it carries. And I really had a Jonah moment and had a Jonah experience where I was running away from it. And it still came to pass because that's what God wanted for me. And so as I look at other people, there's so many people who are walking around with, with gifts and talents. And it may not be um, what you would think is ministry. You may think, oh, I'm just selling, for example, I'm just selling cups, you know, I'm just selling t-shirts, but you don't know what impact that can have on someone else's life. You know, if you are wearing a, an inspirational t-shirt and someone's walking by and they read it, you don't know what, what impact that can have on their day. Um, if you're making something and you say, oh, this is something just so menial, menial you know, you can, you know, give it to someone who's in um, a foster home or um, in a hospice or whatever. And that can truly like brighten up their day. So never think like, oh, you know, what I'm doing doesn't impact anything or doesn't impact the kingdom. God can use the smallest thing to make the huge impact. Um, and, you know, after that season, after all of that happened, really like my sister um, was encouraging me, and saying everything did work out, you know, um, I spoke about this at a previous podcast, you know, out of that job elimination, I got a promotion, um, around that season where I accepted the call, um, Woody and I, um, started back our, an open line of communication. And that's kind of what birthed us, you know, getting back together and, um, getting married. Uh, I completed my master's program. I've completed the ministerial um, certification program. Um, and that was a really, really great season um, for me as a youth leader. Um, that was probably one of the best years um, as I've, I've kind of um, led. And so uh, I look back on all of those things and I'm like, okay, like, you know, although it was something difficult for me to do, I know that, um if he called me uh, to it, he will walk me through it. So um, I hope I wasn't all over the place with this podcast. Um, and uh, I hope that you're able to take some something out of what I've said a little bit earlier. But to wrap this all up and put a nice little bow to it, I want to encourage you to plant and prepare for where God is taking you. Don't look at just, you know, where you are right now. Um I shared on uh, my social media um, platforms this week, God knows the plans that he has for you. Um, And those plans are to prosper you. It's for hope. It's for a future. And so don't look at just where you are right now. There's so many um, great things that he wants to do with your life. Uh, And so 
he has a plan and you may be dealing with internal factors. You may be dealing with the lack of confidence, um, feeling unqualified or what have you. Uh, you may be even dealing with some external uh, factors that are that is pushing you away from your purpose. But remember this, God qualified you. There's no need to run away from what he has already prepared for you, what he ha- has already ordained for you. Um, or is in the process of preparing you for, he qualifies you. You don't need any validation from others. Trust me, God will send you people to help you out when no one is there supporting you. He will send people to encourage you. He will send people to push you. He will send people to push your vision, to push your business, to push your ministry, whatever the case may be. He will surround you with people who love you genuinely and want to see you succeed. And I'm definitely living proof of that. Uh, He will definitely send you people who will help you, who will stand in the gap for you, who will pray for you, who will fast for you. Those are the type of people that you need to be uh, surrounded by. So I'm going to leave you with two um, scriptures. Romans 11 verse 29, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, meaning that whatever he has put in your hands to do, he's qualified you to do it. Don't think that, oh, you know, I messed up here. And so um, he won't be able to use you. No, he's giving you the gifts and the talents. Just walk through with it. Uh, the last scripture I want to share with you is from first, uh, Thessalonians five verse 24. It says, faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. I wanted to share that scripture with you today because he is faithful. He is faithful to complete what he says he's going to complete. If he says it's going to be done, it will be done. Don't look at just the time frame. You may think, okay, well, you know, I'm in my 30s now. What What do I look like starting this business? What do I look like doing this? Don't look at that. He is faithful. The one who calls you in whatever capacity that it may be in, he is faithful and he will bring it to pass. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. And until next time, ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister, or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.